Have you struggled with self-confidence? Being over 50, I've had countless moments of self-doubt from questioning my career choices to going through a divorce and trying to navigate the dating world as a single mom. Sometimes it feels like the doubts just keep piling up, but I know I'm not alone in this struggle. I am your host, Kelly Buckley, and I'm thrilled to be sharing the Beautifully Confident show, where we'll explore ways to grow our confidence inside and out. We'll hear from experts who have been through it all and learn practical tips for embracing our strengths and feeling more self-assured. I'm excited to embark on this journey of self-discovery and growth, and I hope you'll join me in overcoming our doubts and fears and become beautifully confident together. Hi, and welcome to the Beautifully Confident Show. I am your host, Kelly Buckley, and I am thrilled to have you here. I have an amazing guest that I am just so excited to introduce to you today. As I have gotten to know John and what he is doing, I just think is so important, especially he works with everyone, but especially for professional women who need to start to negotiate their salary. As we were talking, I thought, oh my goodness, my listeners need to hear this. And as you hear from John, you're going to see why he has such a piece about him and who better to share how to negotiate your salary in a peaceful, kind way. (laughs) Welcome, John. Thank you, Kelly. Very kind introduction. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Absolutely. So let me share a little bit about John and then you're going to hear from him um, a little bit about his story in his words. Uh, as well as some tips that he has for negotiating your salary. So with career titles like head of global recruitment for multiple Fortune 500 companies, John Gates has spent 30 years on the other side of the negotiating table training recruiters how to negotiate with you. He's been responsible for over 75,000 offer negotiations in his career. Wow. This is your guy. (laughs) He is the author of the international best-selling book, Act Your Wage. What to say and how to say it to get the best possible salary package. He's here today to tell us how to improve your next job offer without fear, anxiety, and risk that usually goes along with it. And I just, to hear his passion is just incredible because it does, all of those things are attached. So John, share with us a little bit about your journey and how you ended up where you are now. Well, it's kind of an oddball story, Kelly. I've been recruiting for over 30 years and I don't think anybody goes, you know, they go to college thinking I'm going to be a recruiter one day. Usually it's a career when you talk to recruiters, they fall into it. They end up in it somehow. And, and that was my story too. I ended up being a recruiter, wanted to be a financial analyst at first, but that didn't pan out for, for some reason. And I ended up recruiting and I've been a recruiter ever since. I just love recruiting, but I've been doing it since before the internet. And that kind of dates me <laughs> a little bit. When you rewind by 30 years, like I got my first recruiting job in 1990 before the internet was even a thing, before email was alive, we all had Rolodex, Rolodex um, systems on our desks. Yes. Uh, I had a big filing cabinet filled with 
earmarked resumes with notes all over them. And that's how I got started. I discovered a real passion for helping people find jobs and for helping hiring managers to solve their problems. But uh, worked in the agency world and also in corporate recruiting for um, bulk of my career's corporate recruiting. Got into leadership pretty fast. But during that, during that time as I was working on the corporate side especially, I noticed that a lot of people were leaving money on the table. 70 to 80% of people I was making job offers to they could have gotten more. And I, I know this because I'm the guy on the other side of the negotiating table who is extending that offer, but I also get the offers approved. I go talk to a hiring manager after they've interviewed somebody and I would say, tell me about Sophia. And, and they would say, well, I really want to hire Sophia. What's it going to take to get Sophia? And we would have that conversation and then we'd settle on some numbers, but that that number always has to go up the chain through an approval process. And we want to make sure we're not going to have to do that again. So very often we would put some negotiating room into those numbers. So I could go up to certain level of salary. I could include a signing bonus if necessary. Those are the sort of things that I had uh, pre-worked into the package. And then I would extend the offer. And I noticed that I was able to close people below the top of that approved range hmm. most of the time. And I realized as well, it's because of fear and stakes. When you're negotiating for yourself and it's your job and it's your family and it's your livelihood on the line, the stakes are very, very different. Even with people who negotiate salary uh, recruiters, they're negotiating salary all day long, but they're never negotiating their salary. When it's their salary, it's different. And the same is true for, for people who close multi-million dollar deals over lunch. When it's time to negotiate their pay, they notice real fast that the same negotiating techniques that they use with a vendor don't always work when you're negotiating salary. You're afraid of the loss, and so you tend to take a very conservative position going forward. So uh, that's one of the reasons I started Salary Coach in the first place. I noticed a lot of uh, people leaving money on the table, and I thought, you know what? It's not hard to learn how to safely navigate this process. You just have to understand what to say at every step of the process so you're not painting yourself into a corner. You're not uh, limiting yourself from the get-go. And so many people do that. Yeah. So now I coach people personally, teach them how to do that. I've written the book, which should be out shortly. It's available for pre-order now. Um, and I built the Salary Coach Academy, which is uh, all those core lessons on vid in a video format. People can um, subscribe to the Academy go in and watch the video lessons and learn all those insider secrets that help you to safely move through the process and get the best deal at the end. That sounds amazing. And John, as we were, when we were talking before we hit record another day, <laughs> something we talked about just really resonated with why I wanted you here. Uh, women in particular tend to lack the confidence to negotiate their salary. And something we talked about, I would love for you to share with our listeners 
um, why you think that is, like why this negotiation process seems to be have such a stigma of this is hard. This is so hard to do. And especially for professional women who might lack confidence, how, how does that play out? Uh, that's a very good question, Kelly. And I think it all goes back to what people think negotiation is, especially salary negotiation. And I talk a lot about how you can do it safely and how you can do it with low conflict, um, low risk. The reason I'm coming at it from that angle is I think most people, and when you, when you look out at articles that are written online about negotiation or people talking about negotiation, they talk about know your worth, demand what you're worth. Um, those kind of words and phrases indicate that there's a conflict coming. And it's, it's like, I think most people think it's like um, you're going to strap on this armor and you're going to draw a sword and you're going to walk into an arena and it's a duel to the death. <laughs> Last person standing, it's, it's a win-lose exchange. I'm going to win the negotiation. You're going to lose the negotiation. And I think that is the wrong approach, especially in salary negotiation. So it can and should be much more collaborative. And so I think this is a this is a special danger zone for women because if they buy into that idea that it's going to be a high conflict environment, um, according to research that I've done and my own research for the book, one of the biggest concerns about salary negotiation that women bring to the table is they don't want to disrupt the relationships on the way in. I asked both men and women, um, you know, who has the advantage in salary negotiation when I was uh, interviewing people for my book. And uh, the women mostly thought that men had the advantage. And the men, at least half of them, thought that women had the advantage. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Everybody thinks the other party has the, the advantage. But I think that women think men have the advantage because they feel and this is what they told me, they feel men are more comfortable with conflict, men are more comfortable with risk, they're more comfortable putting relationships on the line, like they're not as concerned about, um, am I going to establish some enemies on the way in if I handle the negotiation in an aggressive way? So there's this, this feeling that negotiation is an aggression yeah. when it does not have to be that way. Right. Mm. So do you have a couple tips that you can share with us so we can give our listeners a little bit of taste of how you can help them with it not being a conflict or a confrontation? Yes, yes. So um, here's, here's a pretty good example. Uh, when you get a phone call from a recruiter, so you've applied to a job and they, they call you. One of the first things they'll try to do is to decide if you fit into the into the financial picture of the job. And the easiest thing for them to do is to ask you, how much money do you need to make, Kelly? Are you, are you, um, you know, what's your salary requirement? What's the minimum that you would accept and all that? What they're driving toward here is they're trying to push you into giving them a number and they want you to focus on salary only. 
So most people who are, you know, most people just want to be done with this conversation as quickly as possible because it's, it feels a little bit uncomfortable. Somebody's asking you about pay and you immediately feel like, well, oh, there's risk in this question. And I think all of us understand that if I give them a number that's too high, that number is going to screen me out and I'm not going to get a chance to interview. Right. And if I give a number that's too low, then I just lowballed myself. But because I want to do the interview, I tend to push myself down. You know, I will give a lower number. Um, and this is this is the danger of appeasing the other party in order to move forward in the process. So here's how I coach people to get through this. And and even if if uh, nobody buys my book and goes on to the next thing, this is something you can steal and use. Please use this. Uh, I advise people never to give a number at that stage and instead respond with a range. So you have to think of what the recruiter is trying to do. They're trying to see if you fit within their range. And the easiest way, the easiest way to determine that is if you give them a number and that number falls within the range. So that's why they're pushing you for a number at this point. They want to see, can I get you? That's that's the question they're trying to answer. So instead of giving them a number, which is wrong if it's too low and wrong if it's yeah. too high, respond with a range. So you can say, uh, that's a great question, Kelly. I appreciate the question. Um, I'm talking to other companies and the range that I'm considering right now and what I'm discussing with them is between 150000 and 225000 all in total compensation, including incentives. So if your range of 150 to 225 overlaps their range, they're going to feel comfortable enough to move you forward into the interview process. And you haven't given them a lowball number to move forward. Because once you do, once you give a number, they're going to hold you to that more than likely. It's really hard to move up off that number. Hmm. And so... This is a, a gentle sort of sidestep at this early stage. And it's really, some people will say, well, I just give a high number and if they can't do it, so be it. Um, the problem with that is when you're in the phone screen with a recruiter and you haven't met the hiring manager yet, you have no leverage. They don't know that you're worth that high number yet. Yeah. So your chances of, of getting flushed out and screened out by giving a high number by following that strategy are, are very high at this point. But if you give that range, you can work your way up toward the top of that range now because you have you had the chance to interview with the hiring manager and their team and you can prove your value during that interview process and then come out of it on the other end, moving up toward the, the higher end of your range. Yeah, I love so, that tip. Oh my gosh. And cuz it, it it is for so many people it's just that teetering on the edge of I, I said this and they accepted. Was it too low? Uh, you know, or yeah, if you if you say too high, are you going to get knocked out of the running completely? So, I love yeah. that suggestion. It's a point of stress and anxiety and it inter it introduces uh, the beginning of a collaboration relationship. 
instead of I'm going to ask you a question and you're going to give me the answer and I'm going to push you around a little bit. So it, it evens the power dynamic a little bit, but it does it in a very gentle way. Yeah. And here's what to do if the recruiter says, no, I really need to know that's a very broad range. I need to have a number. Then you can say, well, Kelly, I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable settling on a number at this point because I haven't interviewed yet and I don't know the full scope of the job, the demands of the role, uh, the value that I would bring. But I promise you that once I get through the interview process and I get those questions answered, we can have another meeting and I'll narrow this quite a bit for you. And so you're, 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 you're offering a fair exchange the interview in exchange for a narrowed range, stuff like that. But at this point, the recruiters worried that they're going to tie up the time with the hiring manager and their team only to discover at the finish line that they can't close you financially. That's embarrassing for them. Hmm. So you have to reassure them some. And so my style of negotiating is really about collaboration and reassurance and building a positive relationship all the way through instead of being pushed around and lowballing yourself and um you can avoid a lot of anxiety just uh by following these steps oh, those are great um and john i love you are helping people also with communication skills which mm -hmm. i i think is is the key here is you helping with what are the words to say that don't elicit that this is a confrontation, this is a conflict, you know, and, and people kind of retreating in their lack of confidence. So I love that you're encouraging people to develop that confidence in themselves and then convey it in a, a more collaborative uh, way. So, and I love that you talked about, so do you want to talk a little bit more about the, the collaboration part of uh, we're collaborating and developing that relationship and, you know, some of the advantages of that? Yes. Um, so I think it's important to bring the recruiter or HR person on as an ally in the process. And in order to do that, because they might start out as an opponent, somebody who's opposed to you. So in order to, to become an ally, they're going to have to believe that you have, you understand their concerns. First of all, that you're going to help them to get to uh, numbers that make sense to everybody at the end, that you're promising to collaborate along the way. Um, here's, here's another um, little trick. And that is when you're in a job interview and they're asking you how much you want to make and you drop the hint that you're talking to other companies, because remember you said, I'm talking to other companies and those conversations are between X and Y. Um, you can say things like, um, I know that timing can become an issue. So I'm in an active job search right now, but I promise that as, as I move forward with other companies, I'm going to keep you informed. I'm going to let you know so that you're not ever blindsided with a timing problem. So this does a couple of things for you. 
the first is you're introducing more collaboration. You're, you're saying, I'm on your side. I'm here to protect your interests. I'm not going to try to embarrass you. I want this to work. Um, you know, so we're on the same team. And secondly, you're reminding them at every step of the way that there's another company out there that's interested. <laughs> and that can help them to move faster. It can help them to bring forward the very best offer that they can make because they know now that they're in competition with somebody else. That's great. So there's a couple of other things too that it does for you. When somebody else is interested in you, Kelly, it's, uh, there's, there's a concept called social proof. Hmm. And social proof um, is, it's kind of like this. If, if other people like something, that must mean that it's a good thing. That's why we read reviews. That's why we buy the product that has four and a half stars on it. Yeah. Those reviews are social proof that this product is good and you don't have to do any more research other than the social proof. So when you have other people that are interviewing you or other people that are interested in you, they must be interested for some reason. Yeah, They've already pre-vetted you you know, and strangely enough, this this works in the dating world too. <laughs> like, That's what I was thinking. I thought, no. wow, this could work in so many different avenues. <laughs> yes, yes. Like it, the whole idea, though, is that somebody else has pre-vetted you, mm -hmm. even if they don't know who that person is. It adds credibility to you as a candidate. You're in demand. You're more interesting. Uh, auctions work this way where um, the, the, the normal boring thing suddenly has eight people bidding on it. Now you, you want to bid too, or you see it as worth more yeah. than it was. So there are a lot of ways to raise your value and to bring negotiation to play that, do, that don't include things like uh, ultimatums. So... I only recommend using an ultimatum, take it or leave it. If you get all the way to the finish line, you've, you've gotten to the end of a collaboration um, and you still have a gap and their offer is below your walkaway number. And in that case, it's, I have to be at least here. And if you can't do that, then I, I have to go. Sorry. So you asked too about collaboration. There's a lot of collaboration at the finish line. And I think it's important to say negotiation is a process that starts when you apply and it goes all the way through because you're building value, you're positioning, you're doing a lot of things. And eventually you're going to get an offer, I hope. Yeah. And it's, it's when you're moving the parts and pieces around at the offer stage. This is where the collaboration relationship that you've worked hard to build comes into play where you discover that you're at the top of the salary, they can't move the salary, but there's still a gap. So you're working with a partner on the other side saying, I have this gap, how can we close it together? What, these are the things that would mean something to me. Can you do a signing bonus or could there be an adjustment in the incentives package? Or, uh, and you, you ask if certain things are possible instead of demanding them. Hmm, I like that. So when you ask if something's possible, that's a much more collaborative style than saying, 
I want a $20,000 signing bonus. Well, what if the board of directors has to sign anything that's over 15 and they don't want to do that? <laughs> you know, um, and that happens all the time. There are different approval thresholds for different kinds of things. Maybe they could offer, offer you easily some extra vacation time, or maybe they could guarantee your first two years bonus payout, or there's a lot of things that they could do. You don't know if they could do them though, unless you start collaborating. That's great. Ah, wow. So many great tips. Um, so John, can you share with us, you had talked about your, your book and your academy. Can you share... So for our listeners that are hearing, I'm going into a salary negotiation <laughs> and uh, this is scary for me. What are all the different ways that that you can work with people on on helping with this from from your book to the academy? And can you describe those different avenues? Sure. Thank you, Kelly. So um, I started off coaching people one on one and that's how I started Salary Coach. And I realized right away that I can only coach 10 or 12 people at a time before they really start to blur together. And I don't want to take any more um, than that. So occasionally I have those open up. But because that's so time intensive on my part, a coaching client can have unlimited access to me. They can, they're going into a, an interview, then they can they can ask for a half hour, hour of my time to help them prep for the interview. And I'll do that with them because they're a coaching client. That's the most expensive thing I offer. And I realized too, that not everyone can afford that. And so I wanted to offer some other things. So I do offer a group coaching package, which is a little bit below that. Um, you can kind of go through with a cohort I, I have open office hours several times a week. And for the group coaching, you can just drop in, you can ask your question and you, you go out and there'll be several other people in that meeting. The Salary Coach Academy, I set that up because I really wanted to be able to help thousands of people instead of 10 or 12. And I realized that I, I kept repeating myself in a coaching session that a good 60, 70% of everything I say to people is, is repeated core concepts, like the phone screen lesson that I gave earlier here. I would say that to, to everybody because that's a good way of handling it. And so I just recorded myself teaching on those topics. And right now I've got close to 40 recordings on different topics, everything from how to get a signing bonus to how to safely ask for more how to close your counter offer, how to talk about pay in the phone screen, how to even fill out an application. Because when you're filling out an application, it asks you that question. Um, what's your salary requirement? You have the same sort of angst about that that you do when the question comes in the phone screen. So I recorded all of those lessons, put them in the academy, and you can get that for a very low price uh, on a monthly basis, or you can buy an annual uh, pass to that. You can also buy the book. Uh, it's pre-order only until this fall. Fall of 2023 is when I'm expecting to release the book. So um, the book's probably the, the most affordable. Um, the Academy, though, once you're in there, you could actually ask me for video content if you want. If there's something that's missing and you really want a video on it, you can ask me. And if it looks like it's something that would uh, appeal broadly, I'll make a video. So 
I've got 40 in there right now, probably going to end up with 60 to 80 videos in there as time goes on and I'll keep that fresh. So lots of ways of engaging. Um, Salary Coach Academy, I think you're going to put some links in uh, below and you can you can check that out. I think that's really the easiest, most accessible entry point right now. That's great. Oh, I love that. Oh, my goodness. Ah. This has been fabulous. I just, I think it is so important for our professional women to be hearing this, um, to, to realize there are you <laughs> coaches out there that, that can help you with this. Um, I know I've had friends, family <laughs> go through this process and it, it didn't sound fun. I've been a business owner and an entrepreneur my whole life. So I think sometimes we look at leaning on our friends and family for suggestions mm -hmm. and realizing, you know what, just because I'm your friend or family doesn't mean I have all the answers. I haven't been in that space. Yeah. So I think it's it's so important what you're doing to help to help people claim that that confidence in I can go into this in a peaceful way, create that collaboration and relationship. And it can be a win-win all around, no matter what, whether they land the job or they know, they realize I can move on with that, you know, more confidence in, in the next application. Yep. You're exactly right about all that, Kelly. Thank you. Um, and I think people do fall back on friends and family and they fall back on their their friend who's an HR manager or something like that. And the problem, especially with friends and family, is that almost everybody is a beginner at this. Wow. Almost everybody. Uh, most people change jobs a few times in their lifetime. And so salary negotiation is not a well-oiled machine in the lives of most people. They don't know how to do it. Maybe they know what worked for them. So yeah, I recently saw somebody post on LinkedIn and was a sales, sales manager saying um, that he says no and pushes back at least five or six times at the offer stage. So when somebody extends an offer to him, he says no five or six times until he gets to the best offer. And that's what he said everyone should do. Hmm. And when I saw that, I thought immediately that's horrible advice because I've been the recruiter on the receiving end of that strategy. And after two no's, it's over. Like I would stop now in a sales environment in, in his world, which is aggressive sales and aggressive negotiating. They want to see that and they will think less of you if you don't uh, you know, respond very aggressively and push and push and push until you've got every last nickel. Mm. And they don't care about relationships. Yeah. yeah. You know, that that's what they're look they're looking for. A salesperson is going to push past the boundaries and um care more about the deal than they do about their relationships. And so that's why that's worked for him. But um, you don't have to approach negotiation that way. And I would never advise that you do that. Yeah. Oh, I've loved all of your tips so far. Thank you so much for sharing all of them. I think it's going to help even those, those tips, um, that you've shared so far, I think will give our, our listeners the confidence to move forward into that, 
that ne next negotiation in, in peace and, and joy. Yeah. Another thing that I say sometimes is that you could be a nice person and still have a really good salary negotiation outcome. Yeah. This is being a nice person, being somebody who values relationships and wants to have positive relationships coming into a new job. Yeah. You can achieve that goal and still have a really good um, salary package coming in. You do not have to sacrifice the money for the relationships. You can have both. And I think that's an important thing to, to mention. Um, a good salary negotiation will pay you every day for the rest of your life. It's um, the easiest raise you'll ever get is the one that you negotiate on the way into a company. Once you're in there, you try to negotiate for a raise, you're in the system. You're limited by what they can give and what they can't give and what their policies state. But when you're coming in, you have a lot more uh, latitude in terms of what you can negotiate for salary or for bonuses or even for what level you're going to get. All that stuff is on the table uh, and much more easy to get on the way in. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom today. I greatly appreciate it. And I know that our listeners are going to. Do you have anything that's still on your heart that you thought, I want to just share this one last thing? I did an analysis not too long ago. Um, what happens to your lifetime earnings over, say, a 20-year career if you are able to get an extra $5,000 in your pay, pay plan, like an extra $5,000 worth of salary? So it's important to know that salary affects a lot of things. It flows through to your 401k match, for example. Oftentimes incentives, um, you know, annual cash incentives, long-term incentives are, are a percentage of salary. So that flows through. So you're not just getting the $5,000 salary, you're getting extra bonus, you're getting extra 401k match. Anything else that's driven on salary is keyed off that number. And then the $5,000 salary comes next year and the year after that. But your raise, your merit raise next year, if you get 4% merit increase, it's 4% of what? It's 4% of your salary. Hmm. So you get an extra 4% on that five grand and that compounds over the course of a 20-year career. So you're not just asking for $5,000 extra you're going to get an extra $200,000, $250,000 because you got that $5,000 wow. over the course of 20 years. Your promotions, if you get a promotion, let's say you move up a level or two, usually promotions are calculated as a percentage of your base salary. So the higher your salary, the higher you're going to go. Uh, salary tends to follow you around from company to company. So if you switch companies and you have a high salary here, it's usually going to follow you. So uh, getting a, a slightly higher salary today is worth a tremendous amount of money over the course of, of 20 years. And some people might say, well, that's a lot of conflict. It's a lot of stress. It's a lot of risk. I don't want to take that risk for only $5,000. Um, but not only is the 5,000 worth more, but there's a way of reducing that risk to a very low level 
you don't have to bear a whole lot of risk to see if that 5,000 is available to you. Wow. So that's probably the last thing, maybe just a good closer. That is definitely. <laughs> it's, this is a skill worth learning. Yeah. It will, it will benefit you uh, not just in your upcoming negotiation, but in every negotiation afterward. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing that last tidbit because it's extremely forward thinking and I appreciate you sharing everything that you did today. Thank you so much, John. You're welcome, Kelly. I really enjoyed talking with you. You're so easy to chat with. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. You were easy on me today. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. And thank you for joining us today. Oh my gosh. I just felt like this was such an important topic for our listeners. And just remember if you're if your confidence is being shaken and it is around salary negotiation, ladies, you need to rise up and step into your most beautifully confident self and be sure to check the show notes so that you can connect um, with John and he can help you with that next salary negotiation as well as your best future life. Thank you for joining us today and please share this with a friend. Are you fed up with feeling exhausted and drained? I was some years ago until I took action to reclaim my confidence. Are you ready to regain your self-assurance and dive into a fulfilling professional journey that you adore? It's time to embrace the perfect blend of self-care and effective time management. Book a strategy call with me on my Beautifully Confident podcast website, where we'll team up and design a seamless work-life action plan tailored just for you. Take a peek at my 12-week She Elevates Now program, where we delve into the depths and establish lasting habits that will transform your life. Let's partner up and make magic happen. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Beautifully Confident Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and review and share this with your friends. For more information about me and how I can support you in your beauty and confidence journey, visit my website at beautifullyconfidentpodcast.com.